another great episode of Dream Business Radio. I'm your host, Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, and this is the podcast to learn how to create your dream business so you, too, can live your dream lifestyle. By the way, I say you, too, because I have figured that out for myself. It's what I do for a living now is teach others how to do it. I've created multiple six-figure businesses, and now Stephanie and my dog, Blue, we, we live on our boat and travel up and down the east coast so so life is good and this is this podcast is a way for me to interview some really smart people and, and keep sharpening the saw as they say i'm the founder and creator of the dream business academy and the dream business mastermind and coaching program today's episode is brought to you by my new uh free facebook group build your dream business now you can join that at dreambizgroup.com that's where i'm doing some um some free from some free training, but some real good stuff. I just did a uh, live live uh, training for 20 minutes on how to create celebrity branding for yourself uh, about an hour ago. So go to DreamBizGroup.com and join the movement. I'm really excited about this week's show. I get to introduce uh, somebody who's really smart in the uh, technical side of business and has got a brand new. Uh, book. His name is Michael Develano, and I sure hope I pronounced his last name correctly. <laughs> Close, well, yeah, Develano. <laughs> okay, good. I, I forgot to ask that, actually. Okay, here we go. Let me no let me, uh, read Michael's bio. Michael is a senior cloud and app consultant, founder of Cloud Advisory LLC, and the acclaimed author of Automate and Grow, a blueprint for startups, small and medium businesses to automate marketing, sales, and customer service, customer support. Michael started working on custom mobile and Salesforce projects in 2010 and was ranked in the top five at Salesforce AppQuest Developer Competition with Portable Intelligence. He has led the strategy, design, and development of over 100 mobile, Salesforce, and digital or marketing automation projects, rebranding his first company, iWorkDigital.com LLC to Cloud Advisory LLC is part of the company's increased focus on providing small, medium, and large companies with the best cloud and app-based sales, marketing, and business automation solutions. Michael, that's a very impressive resume. How you doing? <laughs> yeah, somebody must have put a lot of effort into writing that one. It's great. <laughs> you know, it's funny when it's, I do interviews, too, on, on the other side of the mic, as they say, and it's so funny when someone reads that well-prepared mic. Say, Holy crap, that's yeah. not me. But um, – <laughs> Hey, I always like to ask people, are you, did you have uh, any influences like your parents, grandparents, or are you the first one to kind of have the entrepreneurial gene in your family? Yeah, I think I come from a long line of probably, I mean, I'll say entrepreneurial people. Um, I would also say hustlers. <laughs> so it probably was yeah. progression over time of people that were always kind of doing their own thing, weren't going to be, you know, walk to anyone else's uh drum beat and we're always out kind of selling stuff. I think a lot of salespeople in my family and then also people that own different businesses. Cool, that's good. I mean, if you're not selling, you're not growing. So sales is one of those good skills to have. There um, you go. Were you one of these, and this will this will uh, date you a little bit, perhaps. Were you one of these guys that started with one of these TRS 80s, or <laughs> or have you always been into computers, or was that did you kind of get that bug a little later in life? Well, on the technology side, you know, it's funny. I think I started um, real early. I mean, I was I I grew up kind of in the early '80s where I had my first computer. So I remember probably being like nine or ten and teaching myself how to program a little Texas Instruments TI 994A with simple programs. I'm not a real developer because I don't think that suits my personality. But 
I definitely have an understanding of technology and have architected a lot of solutions. I think coding is a really important role that's left to a certain personality type, and we got some great developers on our team. Um, but I think that's probably what started things. And I always had a fascination with tech, but also even science fiction. You know, I think we're in an age now where we're seeing stuff that was only a dream before, and it's just reality. And I think that's what's pretty exciting about this time right now. Yeah, you know, um, what, this is this, so. This will date me. When I went to school, when I went to college, we were using I think it was called Fortran and doing punch cards. Oh yeah. So oh my god. Oh yeah. my god. Well, ancient, but um, you know, yeah. you're right about the technology. It's changing so darn fast. And you know, I I mentioned in the intro that we we live on a boat now, and all the apps on my phone are wind related, wave related, weather related, boat related. And it's amazing yeah. the technology that these these apps, which are either free or then if you want a little bit more, you know, they charge you ninety nine cents or five ninety nine or whatever. But I mean, there's so many cool things that people are doing. Would you say you're more of a visionary than the? Because you said you're not really a coder per se. Um, probably. I mean, I think I, you know, I understand what you want to accomplish and then how you would accomplish that with technology, and I understand the process of development. Um, it would probably be, I would probably be the break point if I was the guy coding stuff because I think that takes some real detail uh, attention. But I, you know, I understand enough that I can architect the project and know all the pieces that need to come together and lead the team, really. So I think from a development point of view, I'm that. From the visionary point of view, I think this is kind of where it comes into, like, what are we, what trends and what, you know, what's the state of the market? How do we take advantage of that? And what should you be doing with technology? And I think just doing, you know, I think that's kind of where the book came in, where I thought I saw a lot of clients who really didn't have a framework to build out any sort of strategy. So I wanted to kind of articulate like how I approach it um, and how, you know, you can in a, take it to and apply it to any business where you figure out like, hey, what what's going on in the world and how do I build out a technology plan? Yeah. So your book, I, th I think is, um, <clears throat> first of all, I love the title, Automate and Grow. I have a, there's a chapter in one of my books. It says, uh, delegate or stay small forever. And I, I can't imagine running a company, <laughs> running a company today where you're not automating. How does a business know when it's time to, to automate or, and specifically digital automation? Well, I, I think that the way I look at it is, um, you know, if you look at all the information that's out there, like we've been in kind of what I would call the third industrial revolution since like, you know, the 70s. And that's really around computers and electronics. And that kind of became like the digital revolution, right, where you talk about apps and we have software as a service and really the Internet. But now we're moving into the fourth industrial revolution. And that's all about like autonomous and automated technology. And so I think the reality is if you're not addressing digital then you're not going to be ready for the fourth wave, which is really just beginning, but it's a reality. Like there's, it's happening around us and we can sit and watch while our competitors do it, or we can realize that this stuff is all accessible and there's a way to apply digital for our business. So I, I really think it's time mm. for everybody to take a look at our business strategy and understand where it fits in. Are there any businesses that are, are immune to that? I mean, can you, People always ask me sometimes, well, hey, is there any business that can't use a newsletter, for example? Well, no, I don't think so. I think every business is there. <laughs> are there businesses that can't benefit from automation? Um, I mean, I, I think there's obviously professional services businesses where you're trading time or expertise 
for money. But I think even, you know, even if you look at publishing a book, that's on digital, right? So, and the way to promote that is digital. So I think the reality is whether it's marketing, sales, or support, maybe even not your product, like even if your product is a physical hard good or your product is, um, you know, services-based and you don't want to change that, you, it's really tough to get your message out there and acquire customers, I think, unless you have some form of marketing, sales, or support automation. In your book, which I only had a chance to kind of skim through in the last couple of days, I think you wrote about the four – there's four different areas of businesses that can be automated. Can you talk mm -hmm. a little a little bit about those? Um Make sure I'm on the same page. So I, I think it's really kind of what I stated. So it's really the product. So how are you applying digital to your product or service? Um, you know, human products, you know, like services are difficult to scale without adding more bodies. And then physical products usually require some infrastructure or to, you know, build them out. Whereas if, if you're looking at your product, if you make it some form of a digital product, then that can, you know, scale and, and deliver without your involvement typically. Um, and then the other areas are really around marketing, sales, and support. So how are you using um, marketing automation, sales automation, and then self-service um, customer support technologies to really automate those areas of the business? When you're talking about um, customer automation, what do you mean by that? Like customer follow-up, or is, is there something different? Um, are you referring to customer success or support? Yeah, like if you're going to automate, yeah. I think you said marketing, sales, and customer support, or maybe I've right. heard that. Okay. But I'm yeah. yeah, yeah. No, sorry, I just want to make sure you're on the same page. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, so support automation, I think, you know, customer support is always kind of the last of those four that we always think about, and it's kind of, you know, if you think of in terms of big companies, like they provide support typically through call centers, right? And that's got to be the worst experience in the universe. But it's re they're even cluing in that they want to offer multi-channel support. So I think smaller companies can learn from that, which is how do I, what are the, you know, top 10 or 20 questions that, you, you know, your customers would have that normally would chew up your time that should be best invested somewhere else? And how could you deliver self-service? So it might be as simple as, do you have an FAQ on your site? Do you have a customer knowledge base? Do you have a customer community where customers can talk to each other and help each other with solutions? Um, you know, you, do you have a really good YouTube channel? Do you have a way through social media? Like a lot of support nowadays is provided, funny enough, through Twitter, where if I tag you and I have a problem, are you able to respond to that? So I think those are all examples of how you can automate those. Uh, those are opportunities to automate and eliminate um, those types of what would normally be phone calls or emails. And I think um, even, you know, I think that CRM, like customer relationship management software, is kind of the core of a lot of the automation and information on each of these areas. And for support, what you what we do usually is we want to we want to know when someone responds to us or has a you know outreach to us. So we'll usually record that in CRM using a case record. And the idea is how do you automate the process of them submitting that request and then you responding to it. So there's lots of opportunity around customer support to automate the process and also um, push it out so there's self-service resources to customers. And your website, I like you the way, aspect of that, right? Yeah, and I like the way you talked about social media and other maybe creating groups or forums where customers can help each other. One of the things I've been noticing I don't know if it's just on Amazon or different 
websites I go to, it's not just, in other words, it says here's questions that were asked and here, and I think the company can respond, but also other customers who are using it can respond. And I right. found that really cool. I mean, you know, if you're going to buy, if you want to spend 100 or 200 or whatever you're going to spend on something, um, I, I like to read the reviews, but I don't just, you know, because sometimes they're they're fake, and you know the first half dozen are probably your mom, dad, <laughs> and your brother and sister. Yeah. But yeah. um, but <laughs> when when people are asking questions, you know, cause for, again, I was looking for some something for my boat. Said, hey, will this work on here? And the company responded, which I thought was nice. But so did a bunch of people who bought it, and they said it works this, but you want to watch out for this. And I thought that is an unbelievable education. First of all, you can't get that in any brick and mortar store anymore. I'm sad to say because I'm a brick and mortar yeah. guy, but but that is really cool how that happens. And the other thing, which is, I think is a really good example of technology doing. Because I'm a I'm a guy who believes you pick up the phone and you and you talk to people. You just don't send email and, and call it a day. So, but that's a really cool way to use to to help automate the interaction. So I really right. like that. Yeah. Um, chapter chapter it's two more authentic, of your book, right? Like you can trust it a little bit more. It's to your point. Exactly. It's more authentic. Like I don't trust necessarily the answer that the company always gives me. Yeah. So sometimes if, a, but, if another customer gives me their experience, then it, you know it's a little more valid. The other thing I'll say, if if anybody's doing an app or thinking of doing an app or something like that, so I had an issue with one of my apps this morning, and it, it wouldn't. Every time you opened it, it just like immediately flashed and shut down. So I uh-huh. had to search a little bit. Yeah, they searched for the contact, and I found it, and I sent an email. An hour later, somebody from the company said, really sorry, we were we were updating the servers or something. Everything's fine now. I, I couldn't believe somebody got back to me in an hour, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. there, was, there wasn't a problem. It was just a, you know, temporary while they were uploading. But anyway, in ch- so chapter you two of your book. They had those phone yes. calls? It's an interesting point you make there because – so imagine if they had to make a phone call to everybody to tell them yeah. That's not scalable, yeah, I mean, right? who knows? But, you know, it could be 10,000. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's crazy. So, crazy. Um, I, you know, I've written seven books, so I like I like books. I like book titles. I think book titles are the equivalent of a good headline. So the so the chapter two in your book, which I also want to tell people, I, I asked you this in the green room. So you wrote this book, I think you said in 45 days, so I commend you for not taking 45 years like most people. <laughs> I got a book yeah. in me, you know. <laughs> So, but chapter two, yeah, so you got an attaboy for that, Michael. But chapter two is don't be afraid of change. I mean, that's got it. Is that the biggest thing that holds people back from moving forward in the, you know, the whole digital age or what did you call the fourth, fourth revolution or? Yeah, I, I think that even, you know, really like we're kind of, I think, coming to the end of that third industrial revolution. Like, you know, the first one was probably around. Um, you know, scaling agriculture and textiles, and then and then we moved into kind of like factory automation and then digital automation, right? So really like computers, electronics, and networks. And now I think to your point, that stuff's even intimidating to people, right? Because they say, oh, I'm not a technolo- you know, I'm not a tech person. Um, so imagine how people are feeling when they look at AI, robots, 3D printing digital medicine, like these seem, things seem really out of touch, right? So I think what I wanted to do is address the reality that people are kind of, they don't know what to do next, right? So I think that that's just a reality that you're, to your point, that's a big barrier for people to even look at transforming their business or disrupting their industry, whether they feel comfortable with developing technology 
And I think the idea behind this is that you don't have to be the guy that develops it. You just have to kind of have a, a framework to build your own strategy and lead your business. Yeah. Uh, chapter three is called Dancing with Robots, which is another killer. Did you come up with all these yourself? You work with a good editor or is this all you? Yeah, it's all me. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Dancing with Robots, it's cool. Now, one of the some of the um, things in this chapter, eliminate paper, you know, customer loyalty, um, you know, time savings and things like that. So I guess the, the, the broader question is, you know, when people are talking about either apps or, or you know, digitizing a large part of the business and automating, there's probably – I think everybody wants to look at it from an ROI perspective. Is it mm-hmm. – I mean, it's, this is probably a huge question, no, no easy answer, so I apologize, but give me your best shot. Oh, okay. um, when people think about automating and, and doing different things, how how quickly is the return – or is it something that that has to happen, even if the return is five years out, because not doing it is 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 actually like putting the brakes on your business. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I think of it in maybe even simpler terms. Like I've never really believed in the concept of ROI. I think the leverage out of this stuff is like is going to happen. It's just a reality. Like you just think of how you get stuck at all these things, like anything that's paper based or spreadsheet based. Even those aren't. Those aren't automated, right? And that takes a lot of human time. So I think of it even in the simpler term, which um, I think I talk about at one point in the book, is really like what part of your business do you just this really annoys you? What's the part of your business that is repetitive but has to get done, but you don't want to suck up your time? And then what's the what's the part of your business that excites you and will grow the business tenfold? And I think the idea is you want to spend your time in that third bucket. And the other two, you want to either eliminate or you want to automate. And it, so I think of it in terms of that. So I, I don't even think in terms of ROI. It's like how do I make my business, um, you know, work a lot better for me as an entrepreneur? And that might be a 500-person company or a 100-person company or a 5-person company. And I think if leaders think in those terms, then it's going to be obvious and they create kind of a, a process where they can think of stuff that's worth automating or getting off their plate completely. Hmm. You mentioned earlier um, you, you have a good background in sales, so you understand the whole sales. And um, again, to date myself, I think years, you know, decades ago, it used, they used to use the expression, "It takes at least five to seven touches," but I think it's mm-hmm. probably fifty or seventy touches. I mean, it's something ridiculous yeah. how, how long the sales process has grown. How do you how do you begin to automate, you know, the, the sales process, like conversations and and just you know keeping people interested? I mean, outside of broadcast email, which I think is really dying a slow death, but how can you automate the the whole sales process? So I think there's two steps to that. One is the marketing part has got to deal with those scalable conversations, and you've got to think about, you know, a a different – I I think there's kind of four stages that anyone goes through when they're going to buy stuff. It's like, first of all, they recognize there's a problem. And then second, they figure out, well, I'm looking for a solution to that problem. And then the third stage is they're kind of deciding between the different alternatives to solve that problem. And then the fourth is they're picking someone or something to solve that problem. And I think the way I think about it is at each of those stages, what's appropriate from a marketing point of view to provide like resources. It might just be articles on your website. It might be videos. It might be an outreach to a list or through social. Like 
you just really want to come up with that kind of traffic and conversion plan and think through that process of what information you got to put out there. And that's, that's the only way you can scale those conversations, I think. And then you just you need to set up a way that you just, when it's time, they trust you enough to then reach out to you. And you have to decide, is my sales process automated? Like, is it e-commerce based? Or does, is that the point where they get on the phone with someone? And I think you just have that game plan. So I think the idea is by the time you're getting on the phone with someone or they're into your e-commerce funnel, that they're kind of warmed up and they already know what you're about and how you're going to solve their problem. Does your company, um, you know, I think when people say, most people would, I think, intuitively know that this is something that's coming. It's not, it's unstoppable. I mean, that train is roaring down the track <laughs> yeah, and <I> and they <laughs> got to get on board. Do you, are you, and with your company, are you kind of the visionary? Do you have a whole team of people? Do you work with? I mean, do you have like partnerships? I mean, how does how does it work if somebody said, "Yeah, I, I, I love your book. I heard you on Jim's show. I need to automate." Like, what's step one? How do you, how do you go from saying I'm interested to moving them down the track? Well, I, I think um, there's a couple of, you know simple steps you could take. I, I have put out like a 30 day challenge that's uh, you know a program that you can move into where every day it really takes you through a part of how you build your own automate and grow strategy. And that's a really simple way that it can just ask you questions and you can answer them. There's a video with each of the days. And then the idea behind that is at the end of 30 days, you pretty much got a framework for where you want to go with this stuff. You don't have to have all the answers, but at least you have an idea. Um, the other way that you can get help is, um, you know, we can, we can do like a strategy day with people. And I, I think I'm emphasizing the strategy part because you really just need a game plan before you start buying technology or building websites or building apps. So when, once you get that out of the way, then the other stuff becomes a little bit easier because then you're just deciding on how you're going to do it, not what you're going to do. Um, okay. And then from a development point of view, um, my business is more focused on Salesforce implementation these days. So um, I think, again, CRM is kind of the core of, marketing, sales, and support automation. So uh, anyone that has bought Salesforce typically needs a partner, and that's where Cloud Advisory comes in. Um, but beyond that, we can always help uh, put together projects around whether it's apps or web apps, or um, we have partners that are focused on you know, e-commerce or website implementation. We can definitely kind of give people a hand so uh, they're not left out in the wilderness to figure that out. Uh, how important is uh, this? Couple, give me my last question. How important is response with all of this? You know, I think when when Facebook got really big several years ago, people were liking, clicking, sharing, commenting. Now it's like you'd be lucky if they like or click anything. But then you hear <laughs> yeah. on on other channels or people will say, "Man, I've been watching your videos and like there's no clicks or likes." So, I mean, in you know you're getting some interaction, but nobody's liking or clicking. When you're automating a large part of this, again, I think people, especially numbers-driven entrepreneurs, would want to see some kind of they want to see some kind of proof that Something this whole happened. thing is working. <laughs> how does how does that work? How do you address that? I guess my feeling on this is it it depends a little bit on the complexity of your business and the complexity of your customer, and then I think that's where you figure out. Am I an e-commerce-based transaction or am I, you know, one-to-one? -one, or is it a hybrid of the two? And then from there, I think it's really simple. It's am I getting into enough conversations or purchases? And I think that all the traffic sources in the world are only as relevant as they're becoming those conversations. And so that might be is someone getting on a Skype call with me 
is someone clicking buy or am I engaged in a sales process? And I think that's really in the end we care about, right? That's how we measure the value of this. So to me, it's like if social is getting clicks, it's great, but if it's not turning into those conversations, then it doesn't do me a lot of good. So you got to think of what channel, like what whether it's social or paid or some other, you know, your website, your app, what channel is getting to those conversations. So to me, that's what's most important. I agree with you, by the way. Uh, on, a, on a pretty related topic, people say, well, how do I get my book to be a bestseller? I said, is that really important to you or, or is growing your business important to you? My right, strategy in, in all seven books, I would rather sell 2,000 books to some really high-targeted customers, prospects, whatever, than sell 20,000 books to just Joe Schmo because I ran some big campaign and made people buy 100 Good books point. that are probably going to – you know what I mean? So what what does being a bestseller mean to you if it doesn't bring business? So I, I think that's a – Another way of looking at your last point. Well, I think the book is uh, great. I suggest people go buy it and read it. And um, I know as you and I are doing the interview, you got some uh, book launch stuff. So have fun with that. Uh, where do, can yeah. people get? Yeah, where can people get automate and grow? And then also, how can they just learn more about you, Michael? Uh, so there's a website called automategrow.biz. So no and in between, just automategrow.biz. Um, they can also go on Amazon and look for Amazon or uh, Automate Grow on Amazon. Um, those are probably the best two sources to find a little bit more and reach out to us. Excellent. Hey, thanks for being a great guest. This was—I I know you're a great guest because I enjoyed myself. And, and I, first time I looked okay. at the clock, I had like three minutes left. So it's a really fun interview. Uh, thanks for coming on, hey, Michael. Thanks. Appreciate it. I, I really appreciate being on. Thanks, and I, I love your okay. podcast. It's great. Oh, thanks so much, Michael. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special and just slightly extended version of Dream Business Radio. Watch for another great episode this time next week. I am Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. You take good care. 